So we're we're a Christian um, group of guys, and we're all followers of Christ. And I do want to talk a little bit about this. And I look up, and he's trying to put the camera on, and I go, "72." My strategy was totally different. I he scouted these areas, and I knew the terrain features I wanted to hunt. I think that I would rather use a scrape line because I imagine that there's more bucks hitting a scrape line because the line's longer. <laughs> <laughs> and actually lay eyes on the property first and then start you know, doing my e-scouting whenever I actually knew what it was that I was looking at. I think our deer at home have bigger ranges than we want to admit. Just I, because of the more pressure. I 100% agree. Brad it up, Kevy. Send us home, baby. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Born Again Bow Hunting Podcast. On today's episode, we have David Miller. David, how's it going tonight? Hey, doing well. How are you guys? Oh, not too bad. Thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast today. I think this will be a really, really good one for a lot of listeners. Yeah, looking forward to it. So just give us a brief rundown of who you are, where you're from, kind of what you do, that type of stuff here. Yeah, my name's David Miller, and I'm from uh, southern West Virginia, uh, born and raised in this country. Um, you know, as a occupation, uh, to keep the lights on, I work uh, as an environmental engineer for some companies, helping them with uh, environmental compliance. But on the side, I also do uh, uh, environmental habitat consulting for whitetail hunters and, uh, Very cool. and help, help people manage properties and plant food plots and and uh, improves uh, timber stand habitat and all that good stuff. Um, and uh, spend a lot of time in the woods uh, archery hunting. And uh, my little girl, she's just started. Uh, she's nine now. She's uh, she's started hunting the past few years. And um, she's still in a crossbow right now, but uh, going to be working her into an inline bow uh, mm-hmm. sooner than later. Awesome. That's very <laughs> uh, that's, cool. It's been a sweet journey. Yeah, yeah. Involving her, um, my wife hunts with me some uh, with Bo, and uh, we we're sort of a bow hunting family, I guess you could say. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's Very awesome, cool. man. I like it. Yeah, I, I primarily hunt the uh, the archery only counties. There's four counties in West Virginia, in southern West Virginia, that for forty, I think, one years this year, uh, have been deemed archery only, and. Um, it's a pretty, pretty special place in the world. Yeah, it's it's really rugged, <laughs> yeah, but uh, really challenging. But it's very rewarding. Yeah. So it's kind of cool because the last gentleman we had on our podcast, <laughs> Noah Woodnicky, and yep. he's also from West Virginia, and he touched briefly on the um, archery only counties. So that's kind of cool that it ties back into yeah, this one. literally the last episode. Yeah, that's very cool. What part of the of West Virginia was he from? He is right across the river. I mean, it's, like it was like just um, west of Pittsburgh, just south of like East Liverpool, Ohio. I forget oh, the town yeah. he said he was in, though. Yeah, I forget too. Sorry, Noah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've I have been in that part of the country some. It's very vastly different from yeah from where where I'm uh, used to hunting. Oh yeah, yeah, and he also gets on some giant West Virginia yeah, yeah. deer. He does. Yeah, cool. awesome, very awesome. Yeah. So, um, before we get into it really deep here, I, we have three icebreaker questions for you that we just kind of like to run down through our guests. So the first sure. one, like during hunting season, what's your like go-to drink? You know, before 
before you hit the stand? Is it coffee and energy drink? You know, what's your stop at the gas station? Hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I usually do, uh, I usually do a coffee in the, in the morning heading, uh, heading into the stand and then I'll drink some water just, uh, just before getting out of the truck to head into the stand. Uh, Get a little hydrated. (laughs) Yeah. We, uh, we asked that question because some of our guests and myself get a little crazy over some energy, energy drinks, like the bangs and the, and the yeah. rock stars and the, and the monsters. So it's just a fun question. Cause you know, I'll tell you there's, there's one I want to throw since you're doing it for, for the fun of it. There's one that I ran across. I was, uh, archery elk hunting out in Colorado hmm. a couple years back and I ran across, it was called bucked up. Yeah. I've heard of that. Heard of I've heard of that. Yes. <laughs> if you read, if you read on the back, it actually has traces of deer antler velvet in it. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. That's sweet. I did not know that. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. Next time you, yeah, look, look at the look on the back. It, it says deer antler velvet. I'll have to look for that <laughs> next wild. time. Yeah. That's hilarious. Now that is one thing that I might drink. <laughs> I would. Yep. Yep. The like grape. The pre-hunt. grape. Pre-hunt. for the grape. It was so good. That's yeah. hilarious. I like it. Yeah. So second <laughs> second question is if you're running any kind of game cameras, what's your favorite game camera currently? Oh goodness. I run I usually run I had twenty cameras die on me last year. Oh wow. die. That's <laughs> not good. I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah, pretty devastating. Uh, but I run I run somewhere around usually between forty five and sixty five cameras. You fit um, in. You fit in well with this group. And, and yeah yeah i'm home right <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but but honestly i have to say this year i've do- i dove in probably to tacticam mm-hmm. um using the tacticam cell cameras more this year yeah i'd used the cuddy links in the past uh the cuddy link system just because i have very limited service in parts of southern west virginia mm-hmm. and i could go to a ridge and and put one mobile hub yeah. and then i could run 24 cameras off of the yeah. mobile hub down to these hollows that's where cool. I hunt. uh but i, I don't the, I, I don't have all the trust in the world of how their pictures yeah. uh, how they take pictures right yeah but, but yeah, and the tacticam the good thing i hear about them is this year they are supposed to be adding a new plan so that you can have unlimited cameras on one plan which okay. was like the the cutty link so hopefully that happens yeah that that tacticam seems to be a a very popular one nowadays for yeah. everyone to be running yes very reliable i feel like it's sending me you know a, a very good representation of what's coming by my camera so yep. yeah I, I like those yeah. awesome and the final question is what type of bow do you shoot uh, i do shoot um a matthews v3x that is uh that is the bow that I shoot right now. Yeah, very cool. You know what? I'm going to do a little ad here. You know what? I'm going to send you. I make uh, grips for Matthew's bows, so I will hook up with you after this podcast, and I will get you some grips for your Matthew's bow. Dude, that is awesome. I have Thank a, you yeah. so You're welcome. Uh, I have a it's, a. it's a 3D printing company called Third Axis Design, so I'll do a little networking while I'm in the podcast right now, <laughs> and uh, I'll that's hook you up. That's cool. That's very. I'm I'm linked in with some local pro shops here, good friends with a lot of these guys. So uh, look at that. Yeah, they're always looking for new, always cool. looking for new products. And I know that none of them carry any kind of like custom grips or anything. So yeah, yeah that's awesome. Awesome, cool. There you go. Very cool. Yeah. Very good. Moving on. <laughs> Alrighty. So do you want to um, start off with like how your season went? Kind of like a little bit of a rundown on it, and like um, 
what it's like to hunt mountain whitetail because where we're from, it's primarily ag country. Yeah, um, so we're pretty fortunate to we can drive not terribly far and get to some pretty steep, rugged hunting terrain down there in you know more southern Ohio, but we we're pretty fortunate to hunt a little bit more flatter. Still hilly. Yeah. I mean, where we live is is pretty hilly. Yeah. But uh, sure. We don't we don't get to get into the super steep stuff kind of where you're li- what you're living in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a different it's a different game in the mountains that yet like I had told you earlier when we were talking, I, I hunt a little bit in the Cincinnati area. Yeah. Uh, with my friend Shannon. And uh, so I get to experience some of those straight line winds and, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, some, <laughs> some things like that that is very different than here. Um, but I, I've been doing a lot of studying and I'm, I'm going to be doing some more uh, studying for uh, for the company, Alima Shield. They're wanting me to do a wind, an actual wind study. Um, and this is something I presented them with a few years back. And I have some military grade um Uh, smoke bombs and i'm going to go run a gauntlet of test in these mountains (laughs) and then film how the interactions of thermals and the interactions of uh thermals and of of prevailing winds in in these mountains Mm -hmm. and it's it's pretty pretty mind-boggling how um how those can really um I think impact the pursuit of a, of mature whitetail because I have seen, I've seen some crazy stuff through the years. Um, this will, I've been chasing, uh, whitetails in the mountains here for approximately 31 years or 32 years now. I'm 44 years old and I started carrying a bow when I was eight and actually, at that point, I was just shooting at squirrels and stuff because I wasn't uh, strong enough to pull yeah. back, you know, a bow. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, had enough poundage to, to kill a whitetail. So, so really, chasing whitetail is probably more like twenty-eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the more I got in, at first, you know, I started out just hunting deer in general. You know, and it, it started out the the journey of man. If it's a, you know, a, a de- you know, a, anything for the first few years, I was happy with, right. and uh, then it got to the point where let's uh, let's see if I can you know harvest a little bit better buck. And then that, through the years, progressed into the journey of hey, I I want to I want to focus on this one individual deer, and that that journey has that's the journey I've been on for the past, you know, uh, probably twenty five years. Yeah, is is you know what I mean really or or tw- probably twenty years I'll say that mm-hmm. uh, is really just trying to pursue Mature. a single deer. Yeah. Or, or to have a pool, like say I, I go out and I run all these cameras and that's how I usually start, uh, start my journey in, in a season is I will go out and I'll look at all the areas that I have access to and now spread out all my cameras thin. Then I'll find two, or, I'm, I feel like I'm blessed if I find three in a season, yeah. <laughs> like target, target bucks, uh, 160 or better yeah. is kind of where I try to, you know, try to be, uh, in, in my journey right now. Um, and once I, once I locate these deer, I go out and I'll pull cameras from other areas and then begin to pull them into the areas where those 
you know, up, up to three or four deer or whatever, yeah. uh, where those deer are, and then try <clears> to pat, pattern those deer, right, as the, as the season progresses. So that's a sort of my strategy. Do you, do you guys do similar things out, out in your part of the country? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we will uh, – a lot of ours, some around our places, you're able to do a lot of scouting from the road. So oh, nice. you yeah. can see yeah. a lot of places and, you know, yeah. we look in a lot of ag fields and that gives you kind of like a, you know, it gives you a place to start. But yeah, we do yeah. generally the same thing, spread out some cameras and, and tr- just try to just try to find one buck and then, you know, either hone, hone in on him or, you know, just try and uh, cameras is definitely one of the places that we start. Same thing. Cameras yes. in the map. Yeah. Cameras and mapping. That's exactly, that's my game. Yep. Get on Onyx <laughs> yep. and yeah. just try and start to hone in on places that you think a deer like that would live. Absolutely. The, the, that's a, a great path. I would, I would, anybody listening, I would advise, and you don't know where to yes. start. That's, that is where to start. Start. Yes. I usually, if I have access to an area and I know a good deer is there, I will go and I'll um, immediately first first step is to look at my map yes. and I'll go put some general reference pins of where I feel, you know, that I'll be wanting based off the topography based, you know, I'll, I'll look at the topography and figure out, hey, this is, um, you know, these are areas that I probably need to put a camera and then I'll go put boots on the ground to to tie up the story to mm-hmm. make sure that is where I need to and I'll, I'll I'll take cameras with me at that point. But but doing that mapping work on Onyx really really keeps a lot of your presence out of areas where it doesn't need to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it and it helps you help, saves a lot of steps. Yeah. It saves you know saves a lot of presence being um introduced into into the woods yeah. it's funny i just say the <laughs> matt's not here he's the guy that started this whole shindig but he sure. just he justifies to his wife this is why i can run cell cams because i'm not in my truck driving around wasting diesel or gas pulling sd cards three <laughs> times a week yeah and she's like you okay. know what that makes sense yeah. and it's actually true like it saves you so oh, much time uh, and energy it in these mountains where i hunt it will take me to check like three cameras would take me up to like six hours wow. to be able to take an <laughs> ATV, to take it to the spot, to get out, to go up this hollow, to make it up to a ridge area, to get out, you know, to get off that mm-hmm. ATV, walk out to my camera and then come back and then go do the next one. Yeah. Th- three cameras can take up to like six hours so yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's that's crazy yeah yeah it's just a testament to also the ruggedness of where you get to hunt i mean that's yes yeah the, these the mountains you know there's a lot of to paint a picture of this area um that i hunt in southern west virginia there's uh, you know the the elevation is not crazy you know it's usually between 17 and 2,500 feet, something like that, yeah. you know, in the upper, uh, upper, uh, uh, portions of the counties, like around Bolt Mountain and Man, some of those I think are approaching three, just over 3,000 feet. Mm-hmm. But, uh, generally, there's a lot of, uh, old, uh, reclaimed surface mines in some of the areas that hold a lot of great deer. Um, 
there's a few areas that's been made for public hunting um, in the past few years uh, due to the elk restoration program. Uh, there's, there's, you know, probably 40, 30 to 40,000 acres, I think that's been, that's been deemed public due to that. Yeah. So, uh, those, those are some great places, but, uh, a lot of, uh, areas that's been timbered, a lot of logging roads. I mean, there are some parts of the County, honestly, you have the Ridge and you do not have a single, even fl- natural flat until you reach the bottom of the hollows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in those places, the only thing you really got to key in on as far as um, train features uh, are point using points that will come off and then flatten and then, uh, and then log old tram or logging roads. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's wild. That's, that's really different than what we're used to up yeah. here yeah. for sure. We cross a cornfield. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Most of us. And one of the things, one of the things that were, you know, a lot of the people who hunt in our area, we've had a lot of discussions about this in the past as far as wind and uh, prevailing wind and thermal interactions. Like in the morning, these bucks will come up on and bed on these points on the faces of these mountains just off of the ridge. And what will happen, the prevailing wind will be coming over top of the ridge. And then the thermals in the morning will start to shift and come upward up the hollis. So they'll, mm-hmm. Thermals will pull upward. So the buck will actually bed where the prevailing wind is hitting him in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. And then and then the, uh, the thermals are coming up. And when they hit, when the thermals hit the prevailing wind, it will cause a tunneling effect. And the, wind, the prevailing wind will pull down pull right back to the deer so he can actually smell what's behind him and what's in and he can see what's in front of it yeah 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 it's crazy (laughs) that they've been able to figure that out and i mean that's their way of survival but it's just insane once you once it you hear that for the first time and like you can understand it it makes so much sense why they would bed on there yeah yeah and I, and I honestly, that's what I was going to say earlier. I've seen some crazy stuff in the years uh, I've been out in these woods. I have, I've been watching a buck. I've watched him go into a bed and him be sitting there and everything be, be good. And an hour later, I feel the wind shift and he will get, and I've seen them get up and just walk 40 yards to the other side of the knob where he, he, he gets his wind back. Yeah. Jeez. It's crazy. That's how do you kill? I mean, that's like, how do you kill that? That's insane. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't promote this a lot, but I'll tell you <laughs> a, a lot of guys, a lot of my buddies that go out with me, they, 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 they think I'm crazy. I try and I try not to do this, but man, I, I, I do hunt. I hunt extremely high in trees. Um, but I have found that it, it, it really helps me in the, in the game of the wind because it, in certain areas, if I'm wanting to hunt an area that's in a what I call a bowl or a, kind of a, a little drain area and a hollow, yep. it, in, in here here in these mountains, it's almost impossible. Especially when you start getting mid mountain and lower, when you start getting down in the in the hollows and the valleys, the, there is such a crazy amount of swirling. Yeah, like the the wind is almost like going in a, a vortex at times. It will mm-hmm. it'll be hitting you in the face at one minute, then it'll the the back of your head the next, and it's just it's so frustrating. But I found 
there are ways that you can get out like on some of these points and you can get high in trees and, and it honestly it doesn't matter which way the wind's coming or going you're 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 out of their strike zone mm-hmm. so how high are you talking like give us a, a foot range what you like to shoot for at least well it, it it truly all depends on the the scenario but sometimes if i'm up on if i'm on the back side of a hill like if there's a flat if you can envision yeah. like a hillside coming off onto a flat like and i'm talking the hillside almost being straight up and down yeah. i mean it's you can you can stand on it and put your hands straight out in front of you <laughs> touching the hillside um so if you're up on one like and then it comes off onto a flat complete flat area uh and that bench runs for 20 yards um i like to get if i'm up i like to climb about 15 yards uh up on that hillside 10 to 15 yards so you're already so that that puts you you know depending on it's a really steep angle but honestly you're probably above the flat right um probably 20 feet Mm -hmm. and then i at that point i will get about 20 20 to 25 more feet like (laughs) in a tree tree. yeah yeah you're 45 feet above the uh, above the animal at that point but if your wind doesn't allow for that and you have to get on the opposite side you know uh, 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 as it's going over the hill I, i hunt anywhere gosh between the lowest 35 feet to to like almost 45 or 50 that's crazy that's They're, wild like around here you hear guys that'll you know they hunt 30 feet up in there and in reality like i don't think a lot of people understand how high 30 feet up yeah. in the air i don't is. think so either like they're probably like 18 to 22 feet maybe yeah and they think they're 30 yeah their yeah. heads might be like 25 but 30 30 feet is up there yeah it yeah really it is. is up there man yeah my buddy he always jokes me uh or one of my buddies that went out with me he he came back and talked to his friends and he said uh, yeah man i i thought i was doing good he said until i got to my stand and he said it was before dark or before daylight it's still dark <laughs> he said and i looked up in the tree with my light and he said all i could see was steps going up into just <laughs> a massive blackness he said, i couldn't see the stand he said so i start to climb he said and and once I got up so high, my he said my pull a pull rope was thirty feet. He said, and at that point I looked up and I was still fifteen or twenty feet away from the platform. <laughs> he was like, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's wild. <laughs> but but you know, I'll say this though that I've I've done that for years, but in the past five years. Um, let's see. Yeah. Four of the five bucks I've taken has been actually off the ground. Yeah. Okay. I've been building these brush blinds. I'm I've really honed in on, on, on the wind really started to understand, especially in the evenings. I found out that I was really getting messed up in the evenings by the, uh, by the shift of whenever the sun would go down, man, there is a hard pull of the thermal going down into these valleys. And I was really, that was really messing me up. So once I started to understand how, how I was getting messed up, I've started my, 
like adjusting my setups based based off of that, um, based off of off of thermal interaction and prevailing wind interaction, and knowing if I'm going to hey is this going to be a stand I'm going to primarily hunt in the evening or the morning, so that's really helped me a lot. Um, and, and I've backed away a little bit. Used to be I would try to hunt off the ground some, and I would try to get like twenty you know twenty to thirty yards away, and it just never seemed to work. There was just too much, too, too much, uh, wind and thermal interaction. So I've started to back up to 35 to 50 and really start to, to practice longer range, nice. uh, longer range shooting a little more mm-hmm. because of primarily because of elk hunting. So I'm shooting, I'm just shooting at a big massive target out right. to 150 just to, just to shoot, nice. just to yeah. shoot, not going to shoot an animal. No, no intention for that. <laughs> right. Thing. Never say never. I want to be comfortable in elk <laughs> no. out to, you know, out to 80 or 90, right? Yep. We like to hear that. Uh, yes. Yes. That's so just, that's, that's just the way I'm it at. is out and West. That, that, yeah. And that lets me feel comfortable shooting at a whitetail out to, out to 60. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. on board. Yeah, we know what you mean. We <laughs> we shoot distance a lot um just because of the advantages of close range shooting when you step out to 100 and shoot a bunch of arrows and then you shoot one at 20. Um, oh my gosh, it's like yeah, it, How do you miss, you know? Yeah. Seriously. It, really? Yeah, the, the a, chip shot is real. Yeah. It's a huge <laughs> confidence booster too. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. There is uh we have also found that there is a lot of people in the whitetail world that do not like to hear that you no, they do not shoot a deer at sixty yards. Yeah, uh, they get mad. Yeah, they, <laughs> but everybody has their own opinion. But That's true. It's, it's good to hear someone else that you know gets their confidence yep. shooting longer range, and mm-hmm. it, it's just it's great to do. Everybody should yeah. be doing it anyway, no matter what. Even if you only believe in twenty yard chip shots, you should still you should still be shooting hundred yards. Yeah. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It helps you hone in on the range that you're comfortable with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Completely <laughs> agree probably, with that. You'll probably find yeah. out that your range is going to get a little bit longer, too, whether you want it to or not. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm stuck at 25. Yeah. Oh, now I can shoot at 35. Oh, now I can shoot at 40. Yeah. And then yep. you'll join us at 50 yards, <laughs> 50, 60 yards, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you're, uh, let's talk about your setup a little bit. Do, so do you hunt out of a saddle when you tree stand hunt i do yep okay i do saddle some that that's probably your easiest way to do that much walking and to be Mm. able to get in a tree right to be mobile yeah oh my gosh yeah it's it's worth its weight in gold i i have a couple setups i have an old really old uh just it's called a lock-on wind walker it's okay. uh it's like a 20 year old like aluminum stand yeah. <laughs> that, I, that i still use some at to be mobile uh it's it weighs five pounds it's just a little old bitty dinky thing mm-hmm. um but between that and and having a saddle allows me to really adapt uh to those those changes in the in the wind that i've been talking about yeah 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 that's a, we hunt out of saddles pretty much, pretty much all the time. <clears throat> yeah, here where we're at. What do you do? What do you guys do for your stick systems? What are, What are your all's uh, the ways for as far as client? Do you use just like a a, a two and a three stick with an aider? Uh, so that's what Matt uses. Uh, two double sticks with aiders. That's all he carries, and that's that's pretty light. Um, yeah. Most of us are actually just carrying 
two or three sets of like I, I take four sticks with me uh because I haven't really dabbled into aiders and stuff like that which I need to because that would cut my weight big pack weight, weight down <laughs> a yeah. lot oh yeah um but yeah most of I would say two sticks and two aiders is probably about as much as most of us take yep this year uh, I ran three sticks that were 24 inches step to step so that's what I ran and you could get you know right around the 18 foot mark roughly depending on the tree and everything but that for me that was good but awesome yep yeah that's what I'm finding man if if you you know there for a while I hunted like I said in those those lofty (laughs) lofty lofty stands but you it's if you've really learned to play the wind right it's it's really unnecessary that's the reason I've started diving into some ground setups and brush blinds and things like that, especially in the late season, once the foliage has fallen, yeah. man, the, you know, getting down out of that skyline yeah. is, is lifesaver. Yeah, yeah. Big time. And you know, us here, we, if the wind isn't right, I mean, that is everything for when you go, mm-hmm. for when you go out, if, if the wind's not right, you don't go. I mean, yeah, go home. Yeah, stay like, home. Like yeah. wind is like, <laughs> and that's something that when we have buddies that are like just now getting into this, um, that is like the first thing we tell them is wind is something you need to learn and you need to pay attention to, or else, I mean, it's just gonna bite you every time. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the as far as a t- uh, tip goes, and uh, my friends that I've talked to that that I probably got the most response from, they're like Dave. The thing that you've told me that has stuck with me through the years probably helped me more than anything is this. You say, they say, you always tell me, don't hunt until it's time to hunt. Yeah. And what I mean by that is don't, you know, I, I understand some guys don't have a lot of time. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to kind of hunt when you can. But if you have the ability to watch your cameras to watch the deer activity and the movement and when you know things are 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 happening in the area you're hunting don't allow the cameras to be your eyes allow the sign to be to be you know what they are uh, to tell you the times that you need to be in there hunting and don't just go be in there hunting and adding all that presence just hoping something will walk by yeah i I tell people all the time I, i honestly do i don't hunt a lot but man, I scout a tremendous amount so so that I'll know when to hunt. Um, so I try. I, I don't unless I feel like whenever I go into a stand, I have a really good chance of harvesting the deer I'm after. I, I don't even go. Right. Yeah, that's that's definitely something that we are big into. Also, man, you you have to watch, and there is no there is no reason for you to be out there just yeah adding presence adding scent when yeah you don't need to be yes you could just sit on your porch yeah, if you want to be time. outside you, instead <laughs> of, yeah instead of sitting there use your time to yeah. scout yeah, yeah go yeah. scout yeah drive around yeah. <laughs> scouting scouting is what kills big deer yep it, it really it is. is oh completely agree completely agree i would say that yeah because so the years that i have shot bigger deer have definitely been the years that i put the most into scouting uh and honestly this year i this year i was not able to do as much scouting as i wanted and it definitely reflected in the way that my season went i think yeah 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 that's the that is the 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 real game changer is knowing when to hunt and then if you're not going to hunt just use your time to go out and scout 
Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I got a question about the thermals. Um, you know a lot about the thermals. Are you still are you still working on that um, that thing with the limousin or whatever that was? Are you still working with your yeah. your smoke bombs and yeah, stuff? No, or are you? Yeah, how's actually, that going? I'll be I'll be doing that this this year um, next uh, next month. Okay. In March before the foliage comes back on. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, I still have to get some of the uh, smoke grenades uh, smoke grenades from a buddy of mine. And uh, once I get those, we're 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 going to be rocking and rolling. Are you guys yeah, going to do like filming do it? Like or are you guys going to how are you guys going to go about that? We're going to use uh, one or definitely one, but hope maybe two drones, mm. two different elevations. Sweet. One a really high lofty vantage point. Um, you know, like a maybe maybe five hundred feet, and then maybe one like a couple hundred feet. Yeah. Uh, and then and then we're going to have three cameras. Uh, on the ground one from a stand and then one from the ground we're going to try gosh we've we've got a list of so <laughs> many different variables we don't have enough smoke bombs for them all but yeah <laughs> this that's will, cool this that's very cool start. and that's this really going to help the guys out west too because i i've i've got a buddy a couple buddies that were elk hunters and all they talked about was the thermals in the mountains and if you can get oh. a better visual there's nobody really does any visual stuff with the thermals as far as i've seen so that's going to be that's so, cool so true I've, I've i've let's see the past six years i've went out west and hunted idaho montana and colorado and the thermals uh is where you win and lose yeah, yeah. <laughs> big time that's cool stuff we don't i mean we don't know much about it up here at least from what i've seen because we don't need to know that much yeah, about it i mean it it goes yep. into play um in some of the places that we hunt here that are, are they have deep valleys yep. um but a lot of the time when we hunt, we don't need to know that. But uh, Kevin and I have both. I've been out, same thing as you. I've I've hunted elk and if, and uh, black bears and stuff in a lot of different states and nice. And that will <laughs> that will come in handy. I'm very curious to see what you come up with. Yeah. 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 The, I'll tell you, in Ohio hunt with Shannon, the only time because I have seen it, like you were saying, it's vastly different. Oh, vastly. But the only time I have seen it really come into play when it has impacted my hunt is that a couple times i've been hunting and there'd be a as the the sun was sun was up there was no front or anything there'd be a a nice prevailing steady five mile an hour uh, five to ten mile an hour prevailing wind and then the sun goes down the wind stops and at that point, there is a little like thermal draw, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or I think the, that your wind can fall, like like kind of fall downward because of the evening. And as your scent is pulling down, it kind of hints the ground and plumes like out outward. Yeah. And sure. kind of like where before that there would be, I would be sitting watching deer for an hour, no problem whatsoever. They have no idea I'm in the world. That wind dies down, the thermals kick in, or my scent falls, whatever you want to call it, and it hits the ground. And I mean, within five minutes of that happening, they are on edge yep. and they're looking around mm-hmm. and winding. Something happens there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. I don't know if you all have. Have you ever? No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There's that. There's that magic. I don't know. It could be anywhere from, you know, five minutes to 20 minutes where the wind stops. 
Yes. And it gets quiet. And <laughs> yeah, you, you really what what does your scent do? I mean, yeah. you know, we obviously know that it falls, but once it falls down, hits the ground, you know, does it just slowly seep out from the tree that you're in? Or is there yeah. something down there towards the ground, you know, some sort of breeze or thermal yeah. activity mm-hmm. that is, you know, pushing it away from your tree? Yeah, I, I think so. I really think <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, there, there I, has to be. I, I really believe that something something is going on there. I don't think it just sits still. Because in the mornings, you can kind of feel it rising. Yeah, you can kind of feel, yeah well, absolutely. You can kind of feel it coming up. <laughs> and then in the evenings, you know, whenever – if the wind does die down, man, you can, you can sort of feel like the heaviness of it. Yeah. Uh, and, you, and you can even in the same, uh, like a, if you got a wind checker. Yeah. Yeah. If you puff it really hard, like in the evening, watch what it does. If there's not a lot of wind blowing, yeah. it will gradually seep right down to the ground. <laughs> and I've noticed too, like if you're on like a side of a hill and it's already pulling down, but if you're yeah. on like a, if you have like a little drainage on that side of the hill, it kind of goes over towards that drainage to the absolute lowest point, and yeah. then it'll follow that drainage down more too. I, I have heard of guys here in West Virginia, and this will apply there too to you guys. They when they hunt in those little drains down near creeks, that in the evenings, man, the the like that that creek actually creates like a thermal draw mm-hmm. or not, not a thermal draw, but like a wind, pull. some type of, some type of a draw with the flow in yes. the direction of the flow of the stream, like <laughs> yeah. down the hollow. That is something that we use in a lot of properties that we hunt here is uh, when ah. you can, when you can hunt an evening hunt and get yep. close to a, I mean, even we have some creeks that are, I don't know, you know, five, six yards wide. But if mm-hmm. you can get really close to those creeks in the evenings, you're just draw pretty, your scent. pretty much if you do not have a you know a very predominant wind, that creek will take your scent just hmm. down the creek, and that's all you have to worry about. It just pulls it right down sure. yes. there. Yeah, sure. Oh, uh, that that's that's good stuff. That is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. that is. Yeah. Pro tip. Yeah. Pro tip. <laughs> Seriously, and especially if you can hunt. Um, so we, I've done some hunting uh, near like the Ohio River. When you get can get to a big water source like that, oh. You can get away with you a can lot get, more. You can get a little bit farther away from it, and it will still just pull your, pull your wind. Huh. It's like that. Yeah, it's like that. Draw is stronger with yes. more velocity or, or or surface area of water that you're you're interacting with. That's yeah. mm-hmm. that's really cool. So to touch one more time, are you going to film this and like air it on a YouTube page or anything, or is it more? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. That, uh, it, it'll be more of a kind of a, an informational type of... Like documentary uh, style? Yeah, yep. Very cool. Yep. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, you're that... definitely going to have to shoot us the link to that when that comes <laughs> out. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, yeah. It'll, be, it'll hopefully will be sort of similar to the uh, um, a couple of my friends from uh, Day 6 Outdoors and uh, Land, uh, uh, Land Limited. Uh, they came in and did a, uh, a documentary this year with me, um, uh, w- talking about what we're talking about right now, um, for Onyx, um, did a film called Appalachia. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Onyx's page on YouTube and look up Appalachia, um, you'll, you'll be able to kind of see some of this, uh, some more stuff on this, uh, mountain whitetail hunting, if you're, if you're interested in it. <laughs> yeah. So we watched that, uh, and that, 
if if you're listening to this and you have not seen it yet, you need to go watch it because it is it's a great film. Yeah, I, I was so happy with man how it turned out. I've been wanting for a few years to do that because man, I just I don't know. I wanted our area to be represented, you know, in in a way I felt that was that was accurate. <laughs> and, I was gonna say uh, I, I was, agree. I think your area is very misunderstood. Yeah, <laughs> because you know, yeah, I we, think so too. yeah, we all and, think and about thought, West Virginia guys. Man, uh, Adam and Jacob Lish, and man, both the, those guys—they, I thought they did a fantastic job painting mm-hmm. the picture. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, the listeners can definitely go and watch that and get a much better picture of uh, the terrain. <laughs> yeah, and what you're dealing with—it's—they're not it one ten West Virginia bucks that everybody yeah. thinks about. No. no. Not that we're trying yeah. to get people in your area. <laughs> we're, just, yeah. we're not saying move there. <laughs> just oh, just yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a really cool, really cool, um, really cool journey, though, uh, in the mountains here chasing these deer. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's challenging. We all, it's challenging everywhere, man. These deer are yeah. just so in tune to their environment and they live and they live and die by their senses. And, um, man, trying to overcome those is, Man, it's it, it can be brutal. This year, you you asked me earlier how was my season. Oh my god, it 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 was so challenging. Um, it I, really it took me to the third. There were three days left in the season um, before I finally uh, finally tagged out. Nice. Uh, and you can only kill one. You can only kill one buck in these archery only counties. So that's okay. a that's a plus. Uh, but but this year, um, I had seven target bucks, more than I may have ever had. And within a week and a half, within me within like a day or two of me going to start to pursue these deer they someone else in a in the region had harvested these deer and this is rare i mean sometimes every now and then i'll have somebody harvest a deer that i'm after or something and you know i mean i'm completely happy for them absolutely Mm -hmm. you know as you know long as they harvested ethically i'm 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 tickled for them but this year what it it spread me thin it was really hard on I me. Mean, my my little girl finally harvested a really nice eight point about November. I want to say like the twenty sixth, and that was just kind of uh, dang. I may hang it up after this because I'm just <laughs> tired. <laughs> yeah, I was wore down. Uh, I, I did have we did have one one buck that was on one of our leases. Um, it was it was poached in the DNR. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they did the research and 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 found the gods and got the deer and justice was was uh, served there. Okay. And, uh, but for the other deer, all of them were harvested that I know of all all legally. Uh, several of them by friends. But I, I got down to the point where I was like, man, I really don't have anything left, and so I had to go back into old regions that I hadn't hadn't been in in years. And start over, uh, like, well, eight eight times <laughs> this year. I just <laughs> basically start over eight times, and um, on that eighth deer, uh, it was gosh, November the, let's see, or, or December the second when I found it, um, and then I only had you know a few weeks left in the season, and then uh, December the 
28th is when I finally connected with it because I wasn't, I, I just couldn't get everything to line up mm-hmm. uh, as far as the wind and the weather and, uh, you know, just work and everything. I could, couldn't get it all together. So um, I finally made a hard push there, uh, the, the 26th, 27th, and then the 28th. Um, I finally made it happen. It was tough, though. So how big <laughs> How big was this deer? Well, the, this year he was uh, he was probably a hundred and I haven't got him scored yet, but uh, right in the ballpark of hundred and fifty five ish, hundred fifty five nice. in point. Um, the past the past four years before that, man, I'd, I've been blessed to to really really connect with the deer that I had had in mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I took um, four. Yeah, four uh, gross booners in four years. Uh, that's <laughs> crazy. That's great. Fantastic run. I mean, just yeah, bl- humble, humbled and blessed. Blessed. I mean, the good Lord, he uh, he blessed me with some great, great hunting seasons. Yes. Great journeys, great stories. Uh, I learned so much over over those years pursuing those deer. But man, this year it stretched me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Uh... So is most of your hunting going on uh, public land or private land? Most of it's private. Yeah, most of it is private land. I've, um, but but I'll say this: there has been a dynamic that has shifted uh, yeah. here in the past few years. And what that is, it used to be in West Virginia that a lot of us hunters could we went out and we hunted a lot of what they called it uh, land company or coal land. Yeah, and people. People could kind of just go out and hunt as long as it wasn't posted. People would just go out and just hunt property and uh, nothing ever was said. No, right. no problem. That's just, that was sort of our culture, right? Mm-hmm. But then some people started killing some larger deer and somebody else would be killing or hunting that deer and they would get mad because the deer got killed. They would go turn these people in and people started getting violations because in our state, there's a written law that says, you have to have, in order to hunt, um, you have to have written permission on on any type of private land. Right. So now, these some of these land companies, they don't write written permission. So they don't, but they allow. They have like an, what they call an open policy. People could come and go as they please. Right. And um, uh, yes. So, but because of the things that's been happening, the DNR has to write them a ticket and take the deer and find them yeah, if they yeah. don't have written permission. permission. So <laughs> it's kind of forced Jeez. people <laughs> to change, you know, the culture a little bit in, in the sense of now you have to have either, either private land you can hunt on or a lease or, yeah. or something like that. Um, and it's also pushed a lot more people to the public, which has caused those areas to be way more pressured than they used to be. See, I, I, I was taking it a whole different, I thought you were taking it a whole different route than what you did. You, you said it changed a couple of years ago. I thought you meant the public land, like hunting style from like all the guys oh. on the YouTube. And like, I thought that's where I, you're going with it, but that was a that, yeah, that, cool take too. To, you're exactly right. That has absolutely added to it. There's, there's more exposure. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But that's, and, that's just culture. Like that's interesting with the West Virginia where like, you know, you kind of just, did your thing, stayed quiet, and just enjoyed the outdoors, yeah. and then it just shifted, Man, you know. It was a very, it was a very, you know, I, I grew up th- hunting through the period when, you know, before, just before, um, 
there were there were no trail cameras and i remember the 35 millimeter <laughs> the 35 millimeter cameras yeah. that you go out and develop the film and <laughs> and then you know got into the digital area and but i, I just remember that how it was before all the all the people like i said started getting jealous and frustrated with one another yeah. and they um and and started turning each other in and and um yeah, you used to be able to just go and hunt and enjoy yourself, but it's 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 not like that anymore, unfortunately. So this might be a little bit off subject, but do you think the trail camera game kind of ruined that? Just because, say you can have 15 cameras out there, you can get however many pictures of bucks, and you know kind of what's in the area. And I know, at least around here, people are like, well, that's my deer. It's not your deer. It's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's our deer. It's do you think, deer. Do you think that the camera game kind of ruined that for like that coal mining area like what you said where you know those people were also hunting that land and they you know got mad because this other guy shot this deer that they were kind of hunting and they turned him in happens all the time unfortunately i think don't get me wrong i'm all about using you know technology Mm -hmm. to the you know to to its best and using it you know for to benefit us that's that's all good but here's the thing. I think the, the the negative to that is that the trail cameras where people do see these deer and they like begin to lay claim on them, that it has hurt like our, our culture as far as people, hunters being uh, a unified body, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah, I'd agree with uh, that. H- hunters being, uh, you know, having each other's backs and, and us jo- enjoying the journey together man i i just feel like that is is being lost uh, i i work hard to try to <clears throat> excuse me i work hard to try to uh, keep that intact within my own life and also within the people i surround myself with but i just see so much backbiting and and just division yes. in it um it's for us, it's, it's 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 frustrating and and hurtful to see it happening yeah, the more yeah. the more that social media and all this uh, yeah. implies into the hunting world. I mean, we've seen it a lot here, and it's something that we believe that we need some. Uh, you need to be able to get rid of some of this division because all of yeah. this is given to us. You know, everybody wants to say, "Well, that you know that like Kevin was saying, that was my buck." Well. No, that was not your buck. You know, that was just a buck that you were fortunate enough to be able to have a little encounter with. And people need to realize that all of this stuff, all the land that we're hunting, all the animals that we get to hunt is, it's just a gift to us. It's none of it is ours. It's just something that we get to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. You said the word, um, that people need to look at it through that lens that that it and other hunters like around them should be viewed as a gift and not as uh and and not as a a frustration yeah yeah Yeah. i think that's something that we have done just this past year or two something that we have kind of jumped into the thought process of is that every hunting trip that we get to go on together and all these deer that we're able to harvest on all this stuff. It's just, it's all such an amazing gift that we're fortunate to be able to have. Yes. Yeah. You could say that we work hard for some of it, but in the end, it doesn't matter how hard you work or it's, it's just all a gift from God that we're able to chase these deer and, and have them as much fun as we have. Yeah. 
Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. One thing we, me, me and my crew talked about this year is how we want to, uh, take time this year and, uh, sort of reinstitute and start a, a small, like a, I guess you could say hunting camp where we take youth with us and, and during the rifle season, not make it about going out and trying to kill the biggest buck in the woods, but make it about, um, a time of stewardship and mentoring and heritage and really, really make that a tradition, um, to show, you know, to show the kids and the, and the youth coming up, just, just what's, you know, the important things of enjoying it purely, um, not making it about the big horns, mm-hmm. but making it about, you know, the, the pursuit about hunting camp and how to break down an animal and how to cook it and prepare it and, and sit around a campfire and, and, and joke and, and yeah. have a good, just have a good time with it, man. That that's what's being lost that we need to, that we need to take time to make sure that we're pouring into, to, to keep that alive. Yeah. We, Kevin and I have been very fortunate. Um, our church actually, we do a youth hunt every year. We give away, uh, and it's always to a a little youth hunter that has never deer hunted before. And we do everything. We get them all ready, um, and we get to take them out and get to show them the woods for the first time. And when one of those kids that's never shot a deer before gets to shoot, uh, whether we've had kids shoot, uh, you know, nice little bucks and does, it doesn't matter what it is, but it humbles us every time because we get to see that first joy and, (laughs) and we get to see what a lot of people totally just disregard now. And it's all about the big buck and you got to kill the big buck. And if you don't kill the big buck, then, you know, your season was an absolute bust and people have just, removed the amazing experience that you get and it's just all focused on that big deer and and we get to be humbled every year by seeing a kid take their their first deer and it's like man I want to go back to when it didn't matter what you shot it was you know just that much fun yeah and this year like uh we were was there four of us in a ground blind and it was like you know in the (laughs) teens it was so cold but that little girl that got drawn this year was so attentive. She was watching it, everything. I mean, it was just one of the coolest things ever. That's awesome. <clears throat> that is absolutely yeah. It it recenters recenters us and uh, helps us. It reminds us um, of of just you know that we need to keep it pure and keep it true and keep it simple uh, yeah. to pass that down to the the generations coming. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Do you want to touch a little bit about that book you were talking about uh, when we were texting? Like I said, I have never read the book, but you know we can touch on that if you want to. I just opened it. Okay, I got <laughs> so, you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I have the book. I've had it, I think it was written in like 1993, and I've had it for probably 12 years now. And I, re- I read through it um, throughout the year. Um, the, the book starts, it's, it's, it's a book called, uh, wild at heart by John Eldridge. And it starts out with him. He's going on this, uh, he's going on this elk hunt into the mountains, into the, I think it's the San Juan mountains of Colorado. And he's talking about, he's going after looking for this elk and how elusive, they've became because of the pressures of, of life. <laughs> it's kind of like paralleling it to people, but 
he says that they've been pressured into the high country. And uh, this book is talking about, you know, he's going looking for this elusive elk. He said, uh, he said, but actually what he is there for is to find even more of an elusive prey. He says, uh, he says something that can only be found through the help of wilderness. And he says, I'm looking for my heart. And I, whenever I read that book, I'll never forget when I read that line, I was like, huh, that's interesting. He's out elk hunting, but, but he's paralleling this and saying, but I'm actually out here in wilderness looking for my heart. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how the heart of a man can be found by way of wilderness, by being out there in creation. It's almost like we're returning to the, the place of our origin. Yeah. In the book, Wild Heart, it's pretty incredible. He brings out a point and he says that, uh, you know, it talks about in the, in the beginning of creation that Adam and Eve are created in two different places. And I was like, well, that's not true. <laughs> but then after I really looked, Adam was created in the wilderness. And then after that, God made the garden and then placed Adam in the garden. Yeah. And put, mm -hmm. him, put him to sleep. And then Eve was created. So Eve was created in the lush beauty, softness of the garden. And Adam's created in the wilderness and the outback. Yeah. And, and that is a, a great cool. parallel to show of why men and women are wired the way that they are. Yeah, yeah. Thought, that's cool. I, I never thought about that. Yeah, that's actually that's, cool. that's a very cool point. That's really interesting. Very cool. Yeah. And, and as he goes through the book, this is the part I was really wanting to point out. Um, he, he talks about through just the way that the world that we live in today, um, how it, what it demands of a man and how it wants a man to become, to become soft and <clears throat> moldable. And, and in the one part he quotes this, uh, he quotes a quote from another person that says, I am a man and not a mechanism. And what he meant by that was the world, if given the opportunity, will just turn us into producers. And we will and we will be far removed from our heart because the, the world looks at adventure, things like adventure as a as a boyish thing or a child childish thing. Right. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it's very important for a man to keep adventure alive in his life. Um. It says in one part in the book here, this is the part I was going to share. <clears throat> it says that life is not a problem to be solved. It is an adventure to be lived. That's a very different lens than what the world that we live in, you know, yeah. paints. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And here's the line I was going to, I was going to just, uh, if you all wanted to say something about and. uh, I, I want to kind of leave with it says talking about God, it says he rigged the world in such a way that it only works when we embrace risks as the theme of our lives, which hmm. is to say only when we live by faith, mm -hmm. like our faith is basically brought out by the risks. Um, one of the things that it talks also talks about in the book, it says that uh, it says one thing that we often lack is the uh, the the ability to, or, or the um, 
the fact that we that we we have what it takes and by keeping adventure alive in our lives it, it kind of shows us and reaffirms to us that that god has placed in us what it takes to make it through the hard things in life i know that whenever i elk hunting out in idaho it breaks me yeah. <laughs> it, it absolutely breaks me but honestly why in the world do i love it so much and I've found like through this book that it's it's because whenever I survive and I make it through these hard challenges, those are the moments whenever I have hard challenges in my life, like at work or in relationships or wherever, that I have I know I have I, I God has placed in me what it takes to make it through hard times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean everything you're saying is is like it's spot on. I mean there's. I'm just trying to take a thing of a segue, you know, a different way to think about that. But yeah, that's like, let me ask spot you on. What does what does it do for you guys? Like when you're in the middle of like a challenge, like you're in the middle of a challenge, like trying to find these what these whitetails in the journey, and they are just kicking your butt. You know what I mean? That the the challenge is what makes it rich. If yeah. it was easy, we wouldn't value the journey nearly as right. much. Right? Exactly. Yeah. There's no reward. But the the adventure in it. Man, the adventure of going out into the woods and being what a man was was made for, yeah. us living living that out, that's what makes us come alive and keeps, like John said in the book, it keeps our heart alive. Yeah. Yeah, the, the struggle, like when we're looking for these deer, I mean, it can sometimes be feel like it's such a struggle. But yes. in the end, it always, you either learn something or you get a deer, or in the end, something always fruitful comes from it. Yeah, we're made, we're made, in the end, we're made stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether, yeah. Whether that's physically or mentally or both. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think we see a lot of, uh, I think we see a lot of guys in our generation where there is no challenge in their life. Absolutely none. Well, that's... And the most challenge they have is, a, you know, either a video game or, you know, driving home from work that's the biggest challenge they have and i think that that can really um underdevelop people's character sometimes and sometimes makes them not the men that they can be Mm -hmm. um and i think that's like the primitive side of uh you know hunting and like bringing us back to like how we got here i just think that that just makes you like being in that not the funny coming from the guy that hasn't hunted in like (laughs) eight years but when i did do it i mean and i will get back into it but like it just it brings something out of you that is is unexplainable yeah. unless you're out there doing it. You can't, you know, it just brings you back to like your roots. And it's it's never any fun to be out there in, you know, 20 degree weather, teen mm-hmm. degree weather, your toes are frozen, your hands are frozen, but yet there's still a drive to keep pushing forward because you know, like you said, Jared, you're either going to learn something out of this situation, harvest a deer, or... And then you can apply that for the next time out. And it's it's just like, why do we put ourselves through this stuff, but yet there's we always find ourselves back out there in a rainstorm or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and you just keep doing it. Yeah, and just to go off of that, I guess I guess I'm still doing the same thing because David, I do tar- I do competition archery, I do target sure. archery. So like for me, your guys is in the woods. And then mine's at a competition mm-hmm. or at the range, and there's always challenge, and I'm ne- you know there's always somebody better out there, 
And it's the yeah. same thing. It's like, and then it's funny because like you just said, Kevin, like when you're in, it's to negative 10 degrees out and you're still out there. When I go to a tournament, I'm, you're basically miserable the whole time. Like you're just, you're nervous. You just, you were like, why am I here? Yeah. And then, but in that you grow as a person, it's the same thing. It's all, you know, and that's, that's what I love about my, my hobby is what's all tied in together with archery and stuff. And then but you're yeah. always looking for forward for the next time, yes. either in the stand or for you at a competition. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's always the challenge there is just, that's what I agree with what you're saying is like this whole precedent of like the challenge is so important for young guys and guys of all ages that we, that we stay in something that does challenge us. I think it makes us way better people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thoughts. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, there, there is a part of what I forgot which one of you guys mentioned it just now. But um, there's a part in the book that talks about how how the if you could say one thing about men as a whole these days is that they're bored. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. That their souls have grown bored. And and it's because they're not tapping into these things that we're talking about. It's not and this that that's that's what he John mentions in this book that he's not this is not a macho man pep rally. <laughs> Right. What this is, is a journey to find and restore authentic, true, like masculinity. Yeah. What, what it was, what it was meant for a man to be, what God made a man to be, not, not what, you know, men have either, either under or overcompensated trying to, trying to achieve or prove. It's about, Hey, who are we, who are we just simply, who are we supposed to be? And let's live from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An adventure is something that I think that we we tap into that keeps that more keeps that that compass uh in in check. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and and hunting in general, it's it's something that keeps us in check and and for us it's like it's not something that you have to do that is surround you that you have to surround yourself with with people that with you if you surround yourself with like-minded people i mean when you go out and chase a deer or when you go out and look for a deer i mean it's just you really it's just you and god when you're out there yeah Mm -hmm. i mean if you you don't have a buddy with you i mean that's all it is so you're not being drowned by social media you know or by whatever else it's it's just you and nature yeah that's so spot on i tell people often they're like you know a lot of people in my my church where i go they think i'm the wild man uh and always doing you know on adventure and uh and i i I tell them it's so important to me because honestly i think i feel like it's symbolically returning me back to the way it was supposed to be when when God did make Adam and Eve, he, the intention was for the Adam had this beautiful walk where he would walk and talk with God in the cool of the day in the garden. And man, I, I think he still wants that with us. And like you were just saying, when we go into creation, we go into the, the woods and the outdoors. That is our, what I call Adam walks. <laughs> yeah. We have an That's opportunity cool to walk with the creator again in his creation to look through eyes that we see not just beautiful scenery, but we see a beautiful creation that has been made 
um, by his, by the hands of our creator, man, to be able to tap back into that is, is, is very special. Yeah, it is. It is. It can and change it, somebody's life too. Yeah. It yeah. is one of the few things that you can do that are like that. Yeah. Honestly. It is. It left it's, in this it's, world. It's, out of, out of all the complexities and how, how I don't know how messy and muddy we we make the waters of life, that is the one place we can return to, and it becomes simple. We find we can find silence, we can find peace and rest, and and clarity for our minds. I mean, you think about the world, and and j- just the opposite <laughs> comes to my mind. Chaos, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. All absolutely. This, this but it's when you get there, you you find a much different environment to step into. Yeah, and I think everybody, basically, most people listening to this can all relate to this yes. conversation. Yeah, even if even if you're not a believer, even if you're not a Christian, you know, you yeah. still can you feel everything the, we're talking you know about. The waters are, you know, things are chaotic. Yeah, 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 yep. Yeah. You can still feel what we're talking about, which is why yeah, that's the way it is. <clears throat> I know a, I know a friend of mine who's he, he's he's not a he's not a believer he doesn't you know he doesn't attend a church uh, every Sunday and do all this but he drives across the road uh, across road cross country delivering uh, things doing hot shots mm-hmm. hot, hot shot deliveries and he we we talk uh, we talk every so often and he he a, a few weeks back he was going through Wyoming and he he we talked cool. on his way back and he said you know he said uh, he said, I'm, I'm not fully on board with everything yet. He said, but he said, I'm getting glimpses of what you see when you go out on your hunting trips. Yeah. He said, I look at the mountains and they were snow capped and there was the, he said, and the sun was setting all the colors in the sky. He said, and man, he said, I couldn't deny it, Dave. <laughs> he yeah. said, there was something so real. I could not deny it. Yeah. That's good. And I, I was that. like, yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't throw it, force it down his throat. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, go into anything deep. I was just like, I told him, I, was, I said, keep looking at it through that lens. <laughs> Basically, it wasn't an accident. Uh, this was not, yeah. this was not just a, no. it didn't all just happen out of luck, which is a funny take yeah. on it, in my opinion. Yeah, but... I, lo- I love the, the part where it says, uh, the skies proclaim his handiwork. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So I actually have a verse here that I was going to share, just kind of wrap all this up. It goes along with the deer hunting and the awesome. rest of it. But it's uh, Hebrews twelve eleven, and it's one of my favorite verses that I have. I find myself reading a lot. But it says, uh, "No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it." And I think that I mean it ties into it can tie into everything that you do. Whether that's deer hunting or, or yeah. anything else, kind of yeah. summarized the whole conversation. Honestly, yep. that was a good verse. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. What was that? What What was that ending part there? So it produces what? Uh, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have oh. been trained by it. Man, and 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 to, yeah, think about what we've been talking about. How much peace do we see in yeah. in our lives today? Yep. I mean, that's something, that's a great gauge. That's a great question, you know, to ask our listeners. That's a, a great thing to look at, stop and reflect on, is that the peace level. And, and, and man, that's that's a perfect, perfect verse uh, for what we've been talking about. There you go, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I read that, 
I think it was it was probably six years ago, and uh, when I read that, it it's just always resonated with me, and I keep finding myself going back and rereading That's it. That's a very good one. It's just cool. It oh. sums it all up. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Yeah. Cool. Well. Well, let's uh let's wrap this up before we let you go though. Um, we got one kind of final closing question for you. Yep. What type sure. of advice? Have you learned from whitetail hunting that you can apply to your everyday life? Oh, dang. I wish you had asked me this about three uh, weeks ago sorry. so I was prepared. <laughs> you got another hour, Kevin, for him to, for him to uh, answer oh, that dang. question? Yeah, yeah, might as well. I got it. I got it. <laughs> so I would say that it is the importance of patience that in the pursuit of, you know, like I was talking about earlier, knowing when to hunt and when, when, like when to do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that, what, what that is, that is, that is being patient with the process. And that is the same, like within life. Uh, like in order to pursue a, a, a mature whitetail, you have to be patient, wait for the right time. You have to be, you have to be patient with allowing all of the steps to unfold when the, you know, when to, when to hunt, when, when that deer is bedding in the right place for you to be able to access your stand, um, when you know when that deer is feeding in a certain area you have to be patient and wait um like you may want to go hunt a morning so bad but at the same time you know if you go in to access the only way you can access that you will blow him out Mm -hmm. you have to be patient and wait to hunt him in the evening (laughs) i mean yeah you know there's so many levels of patience but then at the same time if you look at the word patience in our lives, um, you know, I believe, I believe in where it tells us that patience comes through tribulation and through hard, hard things. And just like this season has produced patience for me because it, it wasn't happening the way I wanted it to just like life, just like life doesn't sometimes. And it says that through patience, it says that, um, Patience works out when it's when it's uh, accomplished its work in us. It works out perfection. And what that means, I think that just what what perfection. I don't think that means we're going to be perfect. I think what 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 the perfection it's talking about is that it enables us to be able to allow the things in our life to to work out in the process that it's supposed to be worked out rather than us forcing things to work out the way we want them to we're 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 patient with the process Mm -hmm. of 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 both whitetail hunting and 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 with you know that applies also with with our lives too we we should allow you know the the process to have its work in us because we need to be patient with that a lot of times we want to hurry things and uh, um and that always that all never ends uh, the way that it should. Yeah. <laughs> whenever yeah. we whenever we rush the process of our lives, and when we rush the process of whitetail hunting. 
Yeah. 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 It's I a like very con- it's a it's funny because we've asked that question in the past and has that has it's, it has that been the same it's answer? Been patience every every time. single time. But I love it's, that. It's been a different like, version, right? Version, yeah. Yeah. Which is I very love cool that. to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has a different take on it, but yeah. I, it's not a bad thing. It's actually awesome in my opinion it's because it really yeah, it really affirming. just yeah, yeah. That's an affirming thing. It sure yeah. is. Sure is. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's cool. very cool. That is cool. So, um, well, before we get off of here, why don't you let the listeners know where to find you at, um, any kind of social media pages or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, Dave, uh, you can look at uh, Dave is Outdoors on uh, Instagram or David Miller. Um, I also do a little thing called Appalachian Range Outdoors. That's just a community, outdoor community building thing that mm-hmm. I do. But coming up, this is something first time i've ever announced it from a podcast <laughs> super man really excited i'm working on two books and one of my books is going to be called uh, parables from the wilderness and what that will be um i have a gauntlet of stories that i have written through the years and just jotted down that i'm putting into book form about things that that I see while I'm out in creation um, stories that, that God sort of reveals to me through experience and lessons that I'll, I learn from them. Uh, and they're like mo- sort of modern day parables that, that, that he's shared with me that I'm, I'm want to share with people. That's very cool. Yeah. That's you'll, awesome. You'll have to let us know when you get them published. Um, yeah. We'll definitely share it on the page. Absolutely. That'll, that'll be very cool. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm going to make that one. I'm going to also add another little book in with that one. It's sort of a an instruction manual per se um, to help people to experience wilderness, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like a field guide to to getting out there and um, and 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 experiencing the beauty of of creation. So that's very yeah, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing the podcast with us. I think uh, that was a really good one. We yeah. got a lot out of it, and it was. We had a lot of fun. That was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Great meeting you guys and look forward to to plugging plugging in more in the future. And uh, if you need anything or want to come to uh, the rugged mountains of southern West Virginia, (laughs) I know a guy. That might sound like a good idea to me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right on. All right, well, we'll close it out here. So it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You can always be born again, and born again is out. Bye.